When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. This is your end-of-year show. We're going to go over the last 12 months in boxing, talking about some of the highs, some of the lows, and, of course, we'll be giving out some of our awards as well. So, before we get into the episode, as always, we want you to go and check us out on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so by checking us out on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Please subscribe to us, give us a rating, give us a review, let us know your thoughts on all the episodes. We really, truly appreciate it. So as always, Johnston Brown joins me to break down Boxing's 2019. This is BCR Boxing Podcast End of Year Show. Well, Johnston, this is it. It's the end of year show. 2019 has been another great year for boxing. We're going to be going over some of the great fights this year. We've picked our own categories for it. So we've obviously got domestic fight of the year, international fight of the year, fighters of the year domestically and internationally. Of course, we've got knockouts of the years, upsets of the years, promoters of the years. It's all there. It's all in this episode. We're going to be acknowledging some of the great moments of 2019, but also we are going to touch on some of the crap notes of 2019 the negative side of boxing in 2019 of course we've got to touch on it we've got to talk a little bit about some of the things that have happened you know which includes people obviously unfortunately passing away as a result of injuries sustained in the ring we've got crap scorecards you know there's a there's numerous amounts of things i think we've definitely got to cover them all off in this end of year show yes we do but you know that being said 
putting that to one side. It has been a decent year of boxing. Um, I thought it was a bit of a slow burner, to be quite honest with you. I thought some of the fights tended to be, you know, they, they were okay. There were some good fights, I'd be wrong, but um, nothing really jumped out at me until right at the back end of the year. Um, and that was when it really sort of livened up, if you like. Some big fights and they all delivered. So at, at the end of the year, I think we can all take it as... Uh, you know, a good year, albeit we haven't seen exactly what we want to see. Um, we'll obviously go into that later on. But um, I've got to get, you know, I'll give it a good 8 out of 10 for me. Right, well, that's not a bad way to start it, really. 8 out of 10. I was actually uh, expecting less, to be honest with you, from you, because uh, <laughs> I know there's been, you know, significant things that have happened this year and significant things that could have happened this year. And it's always the case with boxing, you know, you see some of the things you want to see and you don't always see some of the things you want to see. And this is what this. The show's all about, really, the end-of-year show. is obviously to acknowledge the great things about the year, but also touch on some of the other things that sort of bleeds into to our Boxing Wishlist 2020. So, of course, you know, we're going to go through different categories that have been selected by ourselves. Uh, and actually, there's been quite a few polls put out on the Twitter account. So if you've not been using Twitter or you're not a Twitter follower of our account, we have put up a couple of polls out and let the fans vote on some of their end-of-year awards, which we thought was a great way of, of the fans interacting with the show, of course, and giving them the opportunity to, to vote on what they felt was Fighter of the Year and International Fight of the Year, etc. So we've got the results of them in, of course, for, for the benefit of people that have not checked out the Twitter page. And if you haven't, go and find us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter. You know where to go and find us on there. So... I think really we've 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 got plenty of awards to kind of dish out for for this episode, and you know I think the best the best way to start it is like a slow burner, like the year started out. Really, we'll we'll go in the sort of the lower level categories and move into the big ones as the episode goes along. So we had we did have a slow start to the year. We had a couple of great fights at the start of the year. We had Pacquiao versus Broner at the start of the year. Obviously, that was, that was something to see Manny Pacquiao, a 40-year-old man, destroying the, the motor mouth, which was Adrian Broner. So that was a, an interesting start to the year. We had Ted Cheesman trying to beat Sergio Garcia and coming up short. So we had loads of, of little sort of slow-burning starts to the year. But as it's gone on, it's, it's been fantastic. And, you know, that's going to be sort of testament to, to, to some of the winners of these awards, to be fair. So... I think, you know, where I'm going to start really is, is on the domestic stage. So just to define domestic for us, for as, as, as UK fans, it's going to be UK and Ireland based. So what we've done is we've sat down and looked at obviously what's been going on domestically across the year, taking a look back, recapping on some of the fights and some of the fighters. Uh, and I think we'll start with the domestic awards first and foremost. So I think... What we did was we decided to put two polls out on Twitter. The first one we're going to go for is Domestic Fight of the Year, first and foremost. So, Johnston, if you want to let the listeners know about the Domestic Fight of the Year poll and obviously the winner of the Domestic Fight of the Year award. Yeah, so, so we looked domestically. At, you know, there, there were obviously a few fights in there that probably could have made it. Uh, one in particular was uh, Anthony Fowler against. Scott Fitzgerald. I think a few people mentioned that that didn't make the list. We, we tried to go for something slightly different, uh, and I think uh, I think that was the reason for it. Um, it did just miss out. It was a good fight, don't get me wrong. But so domestic fight of the year. So the winner of it was the, the big one, which for me was was my fight of the year, which was uh, Robbie Davis Jr. against Ritson. I thought that was a, a, a an engaging fight. I think it was interesting from uh, when we even tried to predict it. Um, I don't think we quite expected it to go the way it did. And then what happened was it, they just produced magic, really. It was to and fro throughout 
the whole evening and, uh, you know, in the end, Ritson gets, get, got the victory. But it was definitely for me. I, I can't, I don't think there was anything close enough to that fight for, you know, if, if we'd have put Fitzgerald in there with that, like, that still wouldn't have won for me. So, you know, the other fight on there was McGregor and Farouk, uh, which was an excellent fight. We had Conroy, Conroy and Ward. Uh, that was another good fight. There was a cut in that. That was a bit bloody at times. And the last one was... Sean, help me out here. I've got it down. What was the last one we had on there? <laughs> Smith and Ryder. We put Callum Smith, Smith versus Ryder. John Ryder That's in for right. that one. So just to sort of put it into context then. So we, we put the poll out. We could have easily put Fowler Fitzgerald in. There probably were a couple of other ones that we could have easily put into this particular poll. But we tried to sort of spread it out really, you know, as best we could. And, you know, a lot of these fights actually took place at the back end of the year. So, you know, when we were talking about how much of a slow burn a year it was, these most of these facts have come from the second half of 2019. So you had, obviously, Callum Smith and John Ryder. And, and some people might think, well, why did why did you put that in there? Well, it actually was a good fight. Yes, it was marred by a little bit of controversy on the scorecards and people disputing the decision about who the winner should have been on that night. But it actually was a good fight. When you strip it back and watch it without you know, thinking about the scorecards or thinking about the commentary or listening to other people's opinions on it, it actually was a good fight. And I think it was one that was definitely worthy of putting into the poll. And that's why it was in the poll, because, you know, if you if you put all four of the fights in, you're probably not going to get a definitive winner. And, and you put Farouk and McGregor in there, and that was an absolute cracking fight. You know, a really good fight for Scotland. Obviously, you had British and Commonwealth titles on the line in that fight. And again debatable decision, people arguing the toss about who the winner was for that one, you had Ward and Conroy which again, another one, it was so close that it could have been scored either way and then the winner was obviously Robbie Davis Jr versus Lewis Ritson now, again, we've spoke about this fight quite recently on the reaction to that particular outcome, so to put this fight into context, Robbie Davis Jr. didn't need to take this fight against Ritson. The public demand was there for the fight, and Eddie Hearn made the fight happen because the demand was there for it. He saw them pound signs. He thought, well, I'm going to make this fight happen. For Ritson, it was all about redemption. For Robbie Davis Jr., he was one step away from pushing himself onto world honours, and the fight was such a back-and-forth fight. Davis Jr. tries to dig in, but it's Ritson who's finding the last word in some of these arguments and for me is getting closer to victory fantastic fitness levels here from lewis whitson here in his last round both hands firing shot at him 50 12 foot combination but back of davies terrific action in the last round just like there was in the first three for those that may be listening that haven't seen the fight you may be the u.s Canadian, Australian fans, if you've not gone and seen that, please go and watch it because it's a brilliant fight, absolutely brilliant fight and that is why people have voted for this as as fight of the year domestically in the UK and Ireland with a, with a 55% rate against 11, 19 and 16%, so overwhelmingly it won the poll because of how good of a fight it was. After 12 rounds here in Newcastle, we go to the scorecards. Michael Alexander, 117-112. By five. Bertrand Chagnou, 116-112. By four. Terry O'Connor, 116-112. All three and for your four. winner by unanimous decision of this eliminator and moving a step closer to the world title from Forest Hall, Newcastle. Yes, and, and it was a stunning fight. It really was. As I say, it was something we didn't expect. And Robbie Davis Jr., as you as you 
quite rightly mentioned, didn't need to take the fight. Lewis Ritson, uh, he, he put in a good show as well. And, and even then, again, you know, the scorecards were due, but some people felt that it went the wrong way. So, I don't know. It, 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 I suppose the one thing about those four fights in particular was the fact that there was always controversy overshadowing them. Um, and, and that's one thing you're going to get throughout this whole year. And I think one thing that 2019 will be remembered for, and obviously we will go into that. But, you know, it, just mentioning there, there's other fights. Like we had Daniel Dubois and Nathan Gorman. That wasn't in there. You had Eubank and DeGaulle. That was another one that weren't in there. And obviously... Fitzgerald and Fowler, and even Fitzgerald and Cheeseman, for instance, that was on the same night as Davis Jr. and, and Lewis Ritson. So, you know, there's been some there's been some decent scraps, um, and, and I'm, I think when we try to collate it all together, as you say, we did try to just spread it across the divisions a bit and just be, you know, I, I think we knew deep down, Sean, didn't we, that, that Robbie Davis Jr. and uh, and Ritson would probably get it because, and if you put that in a just a fight of the year and you stuck it in with the internationals, for instance, and we just had a fight of the year, it probably wouldn't even made the list. And that would have been something, that's, that's the part of the reason why we decided to split it to domestic and international because, you know, domestically, we you know we are, we're based in England. We, we uh, you know, we, we, we fly the flag for Britain on this show and, and that's something we will continue to do. And I think it's something that it made, you know, we had to make sure that the guys got a mention and, and, and what a fight. I mean, if anyone hasn't seen it, please go back and watch it. It is a cracker and, um, I'm sure it'll be remembered for, for a few years to come as well. Well, we both picked this as our fight of the year anyway, so we give the fans yeah. the, the option to actually go for it. So both <laughs> of us actually picked this as the fight of the year domestically. So, you know, it wasn't really about us, us picking every single award and picking the outcome of every single award. We wanted the fans to interact, and we're glad that you all did. So thank you very much for, for picking it. And it's obviously, we all felt the same. Great minds think alike, as they say, and we all picked Robbie Davis Jr. versus Lewis Ritson. So that was the domestic fight of the year. Now, the next one was domestic fighter of the year now this was going to be a difficult one really because there's so many great fighters out there that have achieved quite a lot in a year now it was very subjective it was going to create a lot of debate and it certainly did on the twitter page so we put four fighters into it based on the year that they'd had Lawrence Coli, scott fitzgerald daniel dubois and josh taylor now, of course, Josh Taylor, even though he is a world champion and he holds two belts in the super lightweight division, he's a domestic fighter. So we wanted to think about domestic fighters that have gone on to achieve a great deal in a year. And for us, this was the poll to go for. So Lawrence Coli, British Commonwealth European champion this year, great year. Yes, sometimes he's very boring to watch. Sometimes he's not the greatest of fighters to watch, but he's achieved a lot this year. Scott Fitzgerald, another one, British champion, been in great fights this year with Ted Cheeseman and Anthony Fowler in the light middleweight, the super welterweight division. And then you've got Daniel Dubois, British champion, beating Nathan Gorman, as you rightly pointed out a little bit earlier on, and, and just dispatching of his opponents in emphatic fashion in the, in the heavyweight division and looking like the next great heavyweight hope. So... Then there was only someone else left, and he was Josh Taylor, of course. And for us, Josh Taylor has, has, has probably had the best year, and he was overwhelmingly the pick for us. And I know when we sat down and we were swapping messages and we were saying, right, who's your fighter of the year domestically? This man's name was always going to come up, and overwhelmingly, he won this poll. 80% of the people that voted voted for Josh Taylor as the domestic fighter of the year. To the winner by majority decision, the fighting pride of Scott 
happened. And now Jewish trainer wins the World Boxing Super Series trophy, the Muhammad Ali trophy. He unifies the division. There's tears of reason. It's a fabulous night for Scotland. And rightly so. Um, you know, I think a few people even said, what's the point of putting a pole out? Because... Josh is so far ahead, but you know what it does show you is just how much of a great year he's had. You know, look at the guys that are in there. As you say, Daniel Dubois had a, had a good year again, another good year. He's had a lot of fights, and obviously the Gorman fights a standout performance, and and he, he produced the goods, and 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 he's definitely a guy that deserves to be on that list. Lawrence currently, as you say, yeah, very campy, a bit boring, but you can't knock what he's currently achieved this year. And the titles he's picked up the European and Commonwealth, and defended the British um, and obviously Fitzy. Fitzy's had a great year and, you know, beating Cheeseman and Fowler. Um, I mean, before even not going, going away from the list slightly, I mean, the notable mentions are people like Joe Joyce, for instance, and uh, Derek Chisora, two guys that have also had decent years this year that didn't make the list. Um, but again, no matter who we put in there, I mean, we even debated putting Joshua in there, didn't we? Because, you know, obviously, he has now become the, uh, what, the fourth world heavyweight to, to go on and, uh, and win, retain his title or re- uh, to, to gain revenge, um, only the fourth heavyweight to do so. So, you know, that was a, was a big mark and that's a big historic moment for Andy Joshua. But he did lose this year, so there's no way you could even put him in there. And I still think Josh Taylor would have still won it because, rightly so, um, he... He was brilliant. He had a fantastic year. And, um, you know, look at the guys that he's beaten, like the likes of Josh Warrington, who won it last year. I think he's a standout fighter last year. And, and, and that that's just shows you just how far he's come. Um, and, and it's just credit to him. I mean, a lot of people would say how, how good he can be. And I think this year he's proved it. And he's finally now a world champion. And, and you know, we could have stuck him in, you know, as just, as again, we could have just done a fire of the year. But we wanted to split it. And, and I think it was rightly, rightly so, because. Taylor deserves the accolades that he's getting at the minute and, and he's, he's brilliant for boxing. I just can't wait for what he can do next year. I think when you think about Josh Taylor, though, the reason Josh Taylor oh. was, in, was in the domestic pole of the year as opposed to the international pole of the year was because at the start of the year, he, he wasn't a world champion. So this no. year, he's won the world title from Ivan Branchik, winning the IBF title in May and then he went on to fight Regis Pagrai on the 26th of October this year, to then defend the IBF title and win the WBA Super Lightweight title and the lightly regarded WBC Diamond Super Lightweight title. So this year, he, he started uh, not as a world champion, as has ended it, with three belts or two that are, are widely recognised. So for me, that's why he's in domestic pole of the year. And obviously, we mentioned Anthony Joshua, but we consider him now to be an international fighter, not so much... You know, domestically, because domestically is a fighter for me who is, is is sort of on the cusp of pushing to that world level, as opposed to someone who's already on the world level, who was already a world champion at the start of the year, who was potentially going to go on to have mega fights throughout the year. So that is, for me, that was why I didn't really want to put him in this domestic poll and why rightly so fighters like Josh Taylor, Daniel Dubois, Lawrence Coline, Scott Fitzgerald was all included in this poll and guys like Joe Joyce, notable mention and who would have thought we'd be mentioning Derek Chisora at the start of this year as a notable <laughs> mention for the poll, you know, got, you know, look at what he's actually done this year, you know, great results for him, you know, beating, beating the likes of obviously Arthur Spilker and David Price. He's had a, he's had a decent year, hasn't he? And, you know, there's talk of him fighting, Usyk next year in 2020 so for me that means 
Yeah, he's got to have a notable mention for domestic fighter of the year because because of, of what he's done. Really, he's had a great year, and like I say, Joe Joyce as well, beating Bermain Stavern, beating Bryant Jennings. You know, one was a former world champion, won a challenge for a world title against Vladimir Klitschko. So you can't really argue with with what Joe Joyce has done. So for me. You know, it was a great subjective poll again, but Josh Taylor was always going to win it, always, given what he's done, and that's why we both picked him, and that is why also the fans have picked him as well as domestic fighter of the year. That sort of wraps up the fighter side of things for, for the year, fight and fighter of the year domestically, but then we also decided, like, you know, we want to do one for the promoters as well, and obviously we're going to have international promoters and domestic promoters, so we're going to go for the domestic promoter first and foremost before we move on to the international side. And, you know, we're not just going to pick Eddie Earn for this. And there's a reason because Eddie Earn has, has obviously put himself in America. He's put himself in Italy. You know, he's putting himself in Spain now. So that, to me, that's international. So we looked around at all the sort of smaller hall promoters this year and looked at who's doing a fantastic job for us. Who are we looking at and thinking, you know, they're actually getting some really good quality little shows together. And, and fans are really, really enjoying it. And my pick, and I think... I think you agree with this one, Johnston, is is Lee Eaton from MTK Global. Lee Eaton, you know, we've had him on the show. He was on our episode of The Promoter Life earlier on this year, about January or February time. And, you know, he's come from promoting white-collar charity fights to now promoting some of the best small-hall shows that we've got to offer in the UK. And the inception of the Golden Contract Tournament has really topped off what's been a fab year for Lee Eaton and MTK Global. Started from the bottom, literally, and obviously we've worked our way up. Um, and for for MTK Global, it's just growing every, day by day, every day. Yes, and, and absolutely, for me too, uh, gets my vote for Domestic Pro of the Year, um, you know, I mean, you could all, obviously, you know, the, the big promoters over here in terms of that they are British is, is obviously Warren and Eddie Hearn. But, you know, we do want to try and uh, just just broaden our our horizon, if you like. And, and, and these guys deserve huge mentions. I mean, MTK, MTK Global have actually, you know, they've put themselves on the map. Um, they've, what they've done is it's been outstanding this year and, and I hope they continue to just develop and blossom and, and they've they've produced some great nights and great fights and and you know uh, you know they're almost picking up the ball, ain't they? We, we've mentioned it through the year already, Sean, didn't we? In terms of them picking up the ball, whether it be guys that have not you know managed to get their their way onto a matchroom card or a Queensbury card, um, and, and they've you know what they've done is, is they've they've just produced quality nights and and nights that we can we don't even you know you're not even paying for you can watch them on, online you can stream you know it's there it's for free excellent work from the guys and i just hope they can continue to do so and i'm sure at some point someone's going to pick up mtka global and try and uh you know use it for their channel whether it be some maybe a terrestrial television channel it would be like itv4 or something like that because you know they're, they're missing an audience there and they're missing some great fights and it, it you know what they're doing is they're developing foxes on, on the grassroots i suppose that's where that's where we thought was coming to it there and, and i love that and i think that's great into the small gyms and 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 it's excellent and um yeah i can't i can't you know say enough just how much we appreciate it as, as fans as boxing fans that uh, that they continue to do what they're doing and just continue to blossom. Yeah, I certainly agree with that one. So, we've got other categories to go through, of course, and we're not going to give all the big ones until probably near the end of the episode. So, we're going to break off a little bit and we're going to move on. And, of course, not forgetting what a year it's been 
for, for boxing for the ladies of the sport because women's boxing, or in other words, boxing to some people, is, 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 is transcended over the past two years. And this year in particular has been a fantastic year for the ladies of the sport. You know, they've really, really been involved in some great fights. We've seen some great nights for women's boxing this year. We've seen headline acts. We've seen two weight world champions, unified champions. And it just goes to show you how much that side of the sport is coming along this year. And obviously we needed to pick our fighter of the year, our female fighter of the year. And I think it was always going to be a difficult pick, but obviously, you know, looking around at what we've got at the moment, you know, notable mentions for this year, I think, is obviously Clarissa Shields. She's a notable mention for the year. I think her victory over Christina Hammer earlier this year to unify the women's middleweight division was fantastic. It was just a shame that she wasn't able to top it off with uh, another fight because uh, obviously her second fight got cancelled. That was a bit of a shame for her and that's why she's not kind of won it in my eyes, why I wouldn't award it to her. I think if she was involved in another high-profile fight this year, I would have said absolutely, yeah, you know, she's got to probably push you know, at the top of level. But then there's also the resurgence of Jessica McCaskill as well. Her signing with Matchroom and then obviously her, her having a great year this year. And for me, she's a fighter that's really, really improved. And, and since obviously the loss to, to Katie Taylor earlier on in her career, she's then decided to move up from lightweight up to super lightweight. And that's where she's had a really, really great year up at super lightweight, winning a world title up at super lightweight and then going on to defend that world title at super lightweight. And not only did she do that, then she went on to pick up a second title at super lightweight. So she's really took that loss to Katie Taylor from two years ago, uh, turned it around, moved up away, and then decided that she's she's going to start to make a name for herself in a different division and potentially she might get this rematch with Katie Taylor down the line as well. So she's definitely in in a close second to the person that we've put at number one. And I think there's only one real person to kind of put at number one this year. And people might say it's the obvious choice of, of, of fighter for number one this year. But when I break it down and we break it down together, Johnston, there's only one, you know, there's only really one which way we can put it. And I think for me, Katie Taylor is my fighter of the year from the women's side of the sport. It is phenomenal, two way world champion. Is, it is absolutely incredible and, and just alive, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As you say, you know, rightfully, you look at women's boxing uh, in general um, and how much it's gone on and developed, and I think it will continue to do so. And, and Katie Taylor is at the forefront of that. You know, obviously, Clarissa Shields is as well. She's obviously. You know, she she sort of kick-started it just before Katie sort of moved over, transitioned to pro. But but what Katie's gone on to do now is is transcend it, and now we're actually getting a lot more women's fights on on big big bills, on big nights. And and Katie is you know she's just continued to blossom again. She's just she's had another good year, um, albeit that the Pearson fight was was very close, wasn't it? I mean, I think we both even said that we felt that she probably did lose the fight. Uh, but it's very close, maybe. Katie just edged it. You know, even Cole Frampton came out, didn't he? And he was very uh, against her. And he sort of said, you know, he didn't think she were, hardly won around if if that. And she did definitely deserve to, to, to take it. But, you know, that aside, you know, again, it's the controversy of these judges' scorecards. It's just going to continue to linger this year. I think that's the, puts a bit of a sour taste in it. But Katie Taylor, fight of the year, 100%. You know, she's 
yeah, as I say, I mean, I, I, me as a as a boxing fan, uh, you know, I watch boxing. I te- I do watch men's boxing, but if it wasn't for Katie and Clarissa before that, I wouldn't generally look out for it. I mean, that's just that's me as a person. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not the best knowledgeable. I'm not the most knowledgeable in terms of female boxing, but she's made me more knowledgeable than I was last year, and I think she will continue to do that in 2020 as well. And and for someone to do that, then that, that that just shows you just how good she is. And she's a joy to watch. There's been some excellent women's fights. Off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly the, the names off the top of my head. There are girls that I've only seen for the first time this year. And they've all produced some great nights. And um, But Katie Taylor, for me, does deserve fight of the year for female fight of the year. And, 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 and you know, I just hope she can uh, move on and get some big, big nights in her eyes in next year. So to put it into perspective as to why, essentially, we've selected her as the female fighter of the year 2019. For me this year, she went at the start of the year in as the WBA and IBF lightweight champion. She then went in to win the WBO version of the lightweight title, stopping Rose Valante. And then she had that tough, tough night in Madison Square Garden in June, where she then went on to pick up the WBC lightweight title, essentially unifying the division against Delphine Pursoon. So after that, she then decided to move up and she thought Christine Lenardatu. So Christina Lenardatu was the WBO super lightweight champion. Remembering obviously Jessica McCaskill held two of the other belts in the division. Lenardatu held the WBO. So Katie Taylor moved up and won the WBO version of the super lightweight title. So not only in a year has she unified a division, she's also then moved up and become a two-weight world champion. And for me, that puts it all on paper as to why I've picked her as my fighter of the year this year. You know, followed closely by McCaskill and Shields this year. She's certainly the face of female boxing and she's the person that a lot of young girls are aspiring to be when they go to the gym. And she's also putting into perspective for, for, for young girls that are going into the gym and saying, it's all right for you to go into the gym. It's all right for you to become a Katie Taylor or a Clarissa Shields. And that is the sort of stamp and the effect they're having on the sport. And it's an absolutely 100% positive effect that they're having on the sport. And I can only applaud all the female fighters of what they're doing this year. Domestically, we've got Shavanna Marshall, you know, who beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs. So that's hopefully going to be hotting up to be a potential fight in 2020 or maybe even 2021. And then we've got Chantal Cameron, who's also had a good year domestically in the UK. So there are two names in particular that I'd like to sort of pick out and say to, to the listeners, uh, maybe more so outside of the UK that listen to the podcast. They're two names to look out for in the female side of the sport because they are two names that I do believe genuinely in their own respective rights will get to the world stage over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. So it's been a great year for female boxing as well. So I've really, really enjoyed the year. So I wanted to to sort of break the episode up by including female fighters and obviously making sure that we acknowledge what impact they're having on the sport this year. So a great little part to the episode and we're going to move on. And of course, we've got other categories to move on to. And we've got the next one on the list, which is my good old favourite, Knockout of the Year. So, of course, we've seen some absolute stunning knockouts this year. Fantastic one-punch knockouts, one-punch ending fights, accumulation of punches, ending fights. But, obviously, there's probably only one man that I've looked to this year and thought, this guy has got bombs in both hands 
and it's none other than Mr. Bomb Squad himself, Deontay Wilder. And he had a great selection to pick from this year because he had his stunning knockout of Dominic Brazil back in May. But for me, my knockout of the year, Johnston, is his knockout of Luis Ortiz, given the fact that he was being outboxed and he'd hardly landed a glove on Luis Ortiz up until Deontay Wilder landed that combination, which ended with a right hand, which completely stunned and knocked out Luis Ortiz. What a 2019 we're having in heavyweight boxing. Yeah, and, you know, it, that just sums Deontay Wilder up in, in his whole career in that just one fight is the fact that he was being out of boxed for several rounds and then all of a sudden, you know, we all know this is what, what makes heavyweight boxing so gripping to watch and obviously Deontay Wilder especially because he can be getting out of boxed but you know that if he lands, the chances are the other guy's not going to get up and, and, and the Ortiz, you know, he, he absolutely got, he got floored to the point where Ortiz... As we mentioned, is only recently that you know he looked a little bit sort of work one. For, yeah, to be honest, he was. I don't think he quite knew where he was when he got up from that shot, and um, it was devastating punch. Um, and, and and I can see why you would go for that as a knockout. For for me, it's Canelo's knockout of Kovlev. I thought that was just a stunning finish. Again, behind on the scorecards, Canelo. For me, although um, I think two of the judges had him up again, controversy strikes again, but. Thankfully, he did finish him off, and what a finish it was. The way he sort of faked to the body, and, and then he landed that big shot to the head, um, and, and Kovlev was never going to recover, was he? Uh, when he, when he uh, it's just, it was just a, a devastating knockout for me. So for me, Canelo gets knockout of the year. Oh, well, he's caught it with the left hand, and his balance went completely, and the referee waves this one over, and just like that, just as I was saying that the fight had never really caught fire. But a notable, notable mention in terms of domestic side is Dave Allen. When Dave Allen with a body shot um, against Lucas Brown, I thought that was a great, great finish for, for Allen. So I thought that definitely needs to be mentioned as well. I think Jared Derek Chisora's stoppage over Arka Spilka as well was another oh, God, good one yeah. from this year. That was a pretty brutal stoppage that rhythm this year as well. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's another notable mention to put on the list. And I know there's many, many, many more which we can sit here and talk about all night. But, of course, we're not going to do that. We're going to move on. And, of course, we're going to go to another category that we've selected for the end-of-year awards. And the next one is the upset of the year across all boxing, so domestic and international. Well, what can we say, Johnson? There's only one place, really, isn't there, we can go to with upset of the year. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be one of the biggest upsets that people are going to remember for a long time, and that, obviously, is uh, Ruiz Jr.'s win over Anthony Joshua up in Madison Square Garden, and no one expected it. He produced the goods, and, you know, credit to him. He, he done what he needed to do, and, and he, he gave, you know, it was just Anthony Joshua's first defeat of his career. He had to reassess, he had to readjust, and... Um, which we, we like to see. Obviously, he got his revenge uh, literally like last week, wasn't it? So, you know, definitely upset the year for me. I think the only other one I had in my head was uh, was Cano against uh, Linares. And, and that was that was mainly because it was 
so quick. It was a, a first round uh, loss for Lin- Linares, and, and you know it, it shocked me at the time. So you know that was another one. But for me, you know, I don't think it is any. I think Ruiz Junior deserves upset of the year. Yeah, well, there isn't any other place I could go with it, to be honest with you. When you think of an upset this year, you automatically think of Anthony Joshua being beaten by Andy Ruiz Jr. More so for the fact that people had wrote Jr. off completely for the fact that, you know, he he was a guy who had a dad bod. And, you know, he was a guy who wasn't expecting to go into the ring and actually go and knock out a guy who was, you know, marginally a lot bigger than him. It was it was significant you know, significant differences in body shape, body type, height, reach advantages, and yet Ruiz was able to get in the pocket to Anthony Joshua, who in retrospect now, looking back on everything, now we've seen Anthony Joshua retain the titles against Ruiz. You know, looking back, he was obviously he wasn't himself that night at all. There was something not right in the lead up to that fight. Something not right when he got in the ring and he's chewing on his gum shield. There was just something not right. And then when you look at the control discipline performance for him to to revenge against Ruiz, that just kind of made it made me feel that there was obviously something not hundred percent right on the night. But in terms of the upset of the year, oh my word, is that an upset of the year? It's probably it's probably the upset of of the last. 10, 15 years, to be honest with you, because it's a huge upset given the sort of status of what Joshua had done. Joshua has become the face of British boxing. He's transcended British boxing over the past few years for us, and and, and that is essentially what's happened. He's he's, he's been beaten, and it's happened before. We've seen it. Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Hassan Rackman, to name but two of them. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of them there out there that we did on our Revenge versus Repeat special. So, this for me was the upset of the year and like you say the notable mention there Cano versus Linares and then quite recently we had Casemiro stopping Zolani Tate as well which I felt was quite a bit of an upset given Zolani Tate was obviously looking to go on to potentially fight Neo Inoue in the future so that for me was another bit of a bit of an upset this year as well so Upset of the year has got to be Ruiz Joshua, and I think most people will agree with that. And I think even if we would have put that in a poll, you know, this this, <laughs> this would have yeah, exactly. It's a waste of time. It would have been an overwhelming winner. So this is why we didn't put this one to poll really, and we decided to pick this one. It was quite an easy decision to make, a unanimous decision with this particular one. So that was upset of the year. So I think before we move on to sort of our big big fights of the year, you know, the mega ones, the ones that, you know, you want to hear us talk about, the the, the international fighter and international fighter of the year and promoter of the year. We're going to obviously touch on a more sombre note for 2019 because something that, you know, has become more prominent throughout the course of 2019 has been more fighters, unfortunately, losing their life as a result of injuries sustained in the ring. And this year had four major incidents where boxers, unfortunately, lost their lives as a result of injuries sustained in the ring. So they were Hugo Santillan in July, uh, Maxim Dadishev, 
and that all happened within the space of a week in July. Uh, we had Patrick Dame most recently in October. Unfortunately, a young fighter, again, promising talent, lost his life as a result of injury sustained in the ring. And one that I don't think really was mainstream and was reported on a lot, which I looked at before doing the episode, uh, was Boris Stanchov, who unfortunately passed away as a result of injuries in September. Now, there's a bit of a strange story to this, which was reported. And when I was reading through the story, I was wondering why this never really made mainstream media. Because, you know, before speaking to you, we, none of us even knew about it. And so we started chatting about nope. it before this episode started recording. And Boris Stanchov had actually been using his cousin's medicals and... I don't know how this happened, but this happened in Albania. He was a Bulgarian fighter, but this happened in Albania in September this year. He actually suffered a cardiac arrest in the ring uh, after taking a take. I think it was a jab or it might have been a, a stiff jab or, or, or a hook or something of that nature which caused him to start to go wobbly and he actually suffered a cardiac arrest, a heart attack in, in the ring and unfortunately passed away as a result of, of obviously what was suffered in there. So... I've not really checked too deep into whether he had any sort of pre-existing medical problems, heart issues, but the fact that he was using somebody else's medicals, his cousin's medicals, in fact, and using his cousin's license to be able to compete in the ring tells me that there's something seriously, seriously wrong in Bulgaria. The fact that the fight was sanctioned and he was able to get away with this. And, you know, it's a very, very sombre note to, to sort of talk about in the episode. But I feel with how significant it's been of a topic this year, we've, we've got to talk about it. We've got to mention these guys' names because these poor guys have left families and kids behind and all for all for the love of the sport and the love of what they wanted to do and for the entertainment of people like me and you who, who sit there and enjoy the sport. Absolutely, and it's something that does need to be mentioned and, and it has been a bit... It's, it's, not, it's been a bit of a bad year in respect for 2019 in terms of these guys dying from injuries sustained in the ring and... And it is a sour note, you know, but it's something you've got to touch on. And, you know, these guys, as I say, they, they weren't sort of marquee names, but they were, you know, it was they were on, they were on big bills. I mean, Davishev, for instance, he was on the Lopez bill against when he fought uh, the Chinese fella. So, you know, I was watching that back again the other night and they were sort of mentioning what's going on and him obviously getting taken to the to hospital and then he, in, on the, in the ambulance, I think he, he uh, that was when he, he lost conscious and, and he never got up, he never woke up and, and obviously Patrick Day was the most recent, but, you know, uh, and Hugo as well, um, it, it's just been, it's, it's a bad mark on boxing and it's something that maybe we do need to really address. Something's not quite right. I mean, there has, there have been mentions in terms of the gloves, for instance, you know, we, we look at um, the, the guys that produce gloves and how they, they try to produce them in terms of um, being able to knock somebody out but no one's actually gone back uh, to the drawing board with it and looked at how to make them a little bit safer um, with a, I don't know I don't know how I mean I've not got the answers but um, something's just not quite right medicals maybe beforehand I mean I know it's, it's an expense it's a very big expense in terms of having to for, for brain scans and stuff. But, I mean, we see it in the rugby, don't we? I mean, I, I know people sort of from other countries that listen to our show may not know, but with, with, with rugby, for instance, as soon as a player gets concussed in a game, they're taking off and they're, they're literally, they're, they're getting an MRI or their brain scan straight away. Um, I don't know if that's something we could bring. I mean, you can't have a fight where someone's getting assessed by a doctor in between rounds every round. It just delay fights. We wouldn't get through a fight. It'd just take forever. But, I don't know. There's got to be something 
you know, the, the bodies and the powers that be need to really look at it because, I mean, we've had four deaths this year through, through injuries sustained in the ring. It's just, it's just, uh, it's a mark on boxing. I mean, there are a lot of fights as well and there's a lot of publicity in fights. You know, years ago, we didn't have this. We didn't have social media. So we wouldn't hear about a guy sort of like Boris Sanchev who, um, Sanchev who, who, who fought in Bulgaria and we wouldn't have heard, we wouldn't have heard about it. So, you know, through the power of media, we, we know these these horrific stories. But, you know, it's something not quite right. And, and something needs to be done to protect fighters. And money needs to be invested into that, whether that be from the top up, where, you know, you get these fighters that are earning millions and millions and millions of pounds and dollars, and whether we could get a percentage of that sort of brought down to, to the lower ranks where they could fund um, some sort of checks, maybe, maybe brain scans, more regularly, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. I mean, we we can't find the answers, uh, but it's something that needs. We need to channel into it. We need to we need to look at why these guys are dying, and we need to look at what we can do to help them. Yeah, I agree, and obviously, it is a very debatable subject and something that I think. You know, we'll definitely cover off in more detail for our Boxing Wishlist 2020 as, as that approaches in the new year. So I think moving on the subject of, of notable sort of passings this year, there was well, there was one in particular that sort of sprung out to me, you know, that I couldn't really forget about, which was the the loss of Sweet Pea Pernell Whitaker losing his life in a tragic car accident earlier on this year as well. One of the greatest to ever lace them up. One of the greatest lightweights. You know, he was in a poll with Roberto Duran for our greatest lightweights career profiles and just missed out losing to Duran in that poll. And, you know, it was just sad to sort of see that, you know, he'd lost his life and it was ended too soon, much like these younger lads that had fought and lost their lives this year. Pernell Whitaker, one of the greatest lightweights to ever lace them up, unfortunately passed away this year. And that was another note notable mention you know of, of boxing legends and boxing greats that we've that we've lost this year and I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure both of us are pretty sure there are other ones that we've we've probably yeah. missed off and not had time to sort of really sit down and think about but they that was one in particular that really sort of hit a nerve really you know someone as good as, as Benel Whitaker losing his life and you know, too soon, and you know, boxing legend, boxing greats, and we talk about some of these great fighters on on our different episodes that we have, and you know, it was just sad to see another one losing their life this year as well, alongside some of the other younger lads as well. So, I think we need to move on a little bit from the sort of somber section of the show, really, but making sure that we touched on it. Of course, you know, we want to move on and talk about some of the other awards to give out this year. I think we've we've had a good sit down and we've had a good think about what's been going on throughout the year and. You know, we move into to the section that I think most people will want to know what our opinions and our thoughts and and essentially who we've awarded these you know to. And I think we're going to start internationally now, and we'll start with I think promoter of the year. I think promoter of the year is the first one to start with. So obviously we did domestic. We looked at other small hall promoters in the UK. Now we're looking at worldwide. Now we're looking at what the promoters have brought to us. The big shows. You know, we've got the Bob Arams, the Eddie Hearns, the Al Heyman the Cal Salons, you know, all these have brought us different shows with different events and different great fights throughout the course of 2019. Now, I sat down and had a long, hard think about this because it was probably quite easy to sit there and maybe say, oh, well, you know, Eddie's put on this, this and this show this year and let's just go for him because he's he's the he's the he's probably the face of the promoters at the moment, even though people like Bob Aaron have been around for years and years. Eddie Hearn's the mouth and the face of it at the moment and, and I think that's quite, I think that's probably true. I think most people will agree whether they like him or dislike him. But for me, for me personally, I think 
the person who, who I would sit down and say is promoter of the year, bearing in mind what promoters do which and what we want them to do, which is to make the best fights happen, it's probably going to be Carl Sarland from the World Boxing Super Series and the inception of that tournament. That's been going on for two years now. But this year in particular has brought us some amazing fights. Absolutely top quality, top-notch fights. The best fighting the best. That is what we always wanted to see. And we've seen it in the previous tournaments. People like Usyk cleaning up. People like Callum Smith becoming a star as a result of the World Boxing Super Series. And this year has been no different. So for me, although he's not put a show on week in, week out in a different country across the world, the shows that he has put on through Sourland Promotions and the World Boxing Super Series, the quality of the fights that I've been on there have been unbelievable because they're all 50-50 fights. They are, and, and he was 100%, you know, the, the, the World Boxing Super Series is where boxing should be should be looking at and we should be trying to adopt the way they're, they're doing it in terms of signing some of the best fighters in the divisions and producing some fantastic shows and, and, you know, you just have to look at the two finals this year. Uh, obviously, we're going to say that later on. But, you know, what he has produced, although, you know, not as, you know, the number of shows, obviously, a lot less. But the, the, the theory behind it, I think everybody loves the World Boxing Super Series. And we all want the World Boxing Super Series to sort of be the way forward for boxing in general. That's how boxing used to be. You know, the, the best fighting the best. And, and what they do is that they get the best from their divisions and then they, they, they put on a show where you have a quarterfinal, semifinal and a final. And, and most of the time you get the two guys that you expect to be in the final fighting each other because that's what it's about. That's what we want to see. We want to see titles on the line and we want to see big events. And, and, and they just do it. They don't last year. It was the same for me last year with what they've done when it was Smith and Groves in the final and, and obviously Adusik and uh, Gassiev, didn't we? And, and they were two great fights, two of the fights of the year last year as well. And and I, I just, you know, it's just brilliant. And and I think, you know, it's a blueprint and a, and, a, and a way forward for boxing to look at because this is this is this is what boxing used to be. We do our legendary nights and we do our career profiles, and and you see these guys, you know, these legends of the sport, and they all fought each other. You know, albeit they have, don't get me wrong, they have a couple of fights in between where. You know, you do need that. You can't fight the best every week and every, you know, every month or every your next fight. It's impossible to do that. But it's the way forward, and, and it's something that needs to be addressed in boxing as well because we want to see it. And 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 just I can't wait for the next World Boxing Super Series when it starts. I know we've got the cruiserweight final, haven't we? Coming up with a. Uh, is it Dorticus and Breedus? I think them two in the final, aren't they? Um, so um, yeah, another fight I can't wait for. So it's just I can't wait for the new the new season to begin. Oh mate, I tell you what, it's been fantastic. I love the World Boxing Super Series. I love what it brings to the table. I know maybe like the undercards are not stacked with loads of names. You know, like sometimes you you know you will see Eddie Hearn shows stacked with a lot of names, but essentially a lot of them are match made for the prospects to beat the journeyman. But this is yeah. just more about the main two fights on the card. Usually they put two fights on the card and usually they've got obviously two different weight categories running at one time, two or three of them running at one time and they'll put them all on the card. So you obviously had the bantamweights this year and then you've also had the super lightweights this year and we've also got the cruiserweights, the second version of the cruiserweights this year as well. So them three tournaments alone have produced some of the best fights of the year which we'll be going into shortly and talking about and for me 
although there's been less shows on this year, the quality of the fights that we've seen at the end of it speaks volumes because this is why people are talking about the fights as fights of the year and producing fighters of the year as well because of the fact that you are seeing the best fighters stepping in with the best fighters in the division rather than the best fighters beating uh, you know, someone who's ranked number 15 in the world and then someone who's ranked number 10 in the world or someone who's ranked number 20 in the world and, and making various defences to the titles. We're getting to see fighters in their physical primes with world titles fighting each other, essentially unifying a division or at least making most of the belts go to one fighter and forcing everybody else's hand. And that is exactly yep. what we want to see. So for me, that's why I've, I've wanted, you know, and I've picked Carl Solland as the international promoter of the year. And, and I know most people might say, oh, Eddie Hearn, because of what he's done. But no, no, I'm sorry. Carl Solland has, has helped produce two or three of the most highest quality fights of the year. And I think that's it kind of leads us nicely, really, into another poll that we put out on social media. So we did pick a few fights internationally of the year. And lo and behold, two of them fights that were in that poll were fights produced by the World Boxing Super Series and Carl Solon. So in that particular poll, then, as voted for by the users of Twitter, we had Spence Jr. versus Porter, which was a fantastic cracking fight. We went for Ramirez versus Hooker in the Super Lightweight division. And then we went for Inoue versus Donaire and Taylor versus Pagrai. And Taylor versus Pagrai was voted for by the users of Twitter as their international fight of the year. And to be honest with you, I, I can't disagree with them. It wasn't my personal pick. My personal pick was actually Inoue versus Donaire. But Taylor versus Pagrai is certainly a worthy winner for International Fight of the Year. It is. Um, I can't I can't knock the decision. I, I again, also, I had a new Aiden here. I just felt that that just, uh, that, I don't know, it was something about that fight. I think I think it asked a lot of questions about a new Aiden and, um, and on there. And it just, it was just, it was stunning. I mean, I, we, we did not expect it. I think we even thought that it'd be a quick one for a new I'm sure a lot of people did and Denier proved everybody wrong. But, that aside, you know, Taylor program was, was a brilliant fight. It really was. I mean, I I sort of uh, looked at all the fights that happened at, at the O2 and, and, and Kessler Frotch 2 was the one fight that I put close to Taylor and Pagrai. And, and I felt Taylor Pagrai is probably the best fighter to ever been that the O2 arena's ever staged. And, uh, and it was an excellent fight. It really was. It was just technically brilliant. Um, the pair of them were outstanding on a night and it was a close win for Taylor. It was a very close win. Some people, again, felt that program. Well, I mean, we're never going to get everybody agreeing at times, like the Andrew Joshua the other night. But, you know, that's, that's only if it's a complete one-sided fight. But, you know, I watched the fight a couple of times back, and, and it really is a stunning fight. And, and one, I, I think, you know, I can't knock it. I think that, that as the viewers, they've picked it. And, um, you know, we may think a new Aiden here, but Taylor Progray is the one that come out of the top. So credit. To the guys that voted, thanks to the people that voted, and, and rightly so, they get fight of the year, uh, international fight of the year. They certainly do. Great fight, fantastic fight, and and whilst, like I said, I picked anyway versus Denair, Taylor Pagrai was my second favourite of the year, second yep. fight that I felt like was absolute quality, which we was talking about just a few moments ago when talking about International Promoter of the Year Award, and I think Taylor versus Pagrai is a very, very worthy winner, and it's shown the coming of age of Josh Taylor, didn't it? And that that's basically what we're talking about when we're talking about fighters that are moving on to the world level, and how good of a year 
year Josh Taylor's actually had. So not only has he obviously won an award voted for by the users of Twitter as the Domestic Fighter of the Year in the UK and Ireland, he's also now won International Fight of the Year against Regis Pakrai. And what a fight it was. And again, if you've not already checked it out, I don't know what rock you've been hiding under for a long time, but you need to go and check this out because it was one of the best fights I've seen for not just this year, but for a couple of years, to be honest with you. And I think that's why it was a well-deserved winner. A new Aiden there, my God, that just had its ups and downs. And there was a different story that was being told in that fight. And I think that's why I picked that one personally, because you had the aging champion against the young, hungry fighter who was stunningly knocking out everybody. He'd beat Emmanuel Rodriguez this year and obviously claimed the IBF title at the Bantamweight division. And then obviously he goes in and he has this fight against Donaire where you think he's going to blow Donaire away. But in fact, Donaire asked a lot of questions of him on the night. And, you know, it was a fantastic competitive fight. The scorecards didn't essentially reflect it, but it was a very competitive great fight and a good fight to watch back on for fight fans this year and not forgetting obviously Ramirez and Hooker and Spence Jr versus Porter whilst they didn't get many many votes compared to the other two fights at the top of that list they were still two great fights to go out and watch this year other notable mentions for me then this year was Manny Pacquiao beating Keith Thurman I thought that was you know something that I think a lot of people wasn't expecting to happen and the way Pacquiao beat Thurman this year for me was a notable mention to put in there as well were there any other ones this year Johnston that you'd like to put in there as a notable mention um, I, I suppose what Canelo Canelo's win over Kovlev I think we can't knock that I think you know he again has, has proved himself as one of the best uh, and pretty much the face and the money of boxers at the minute and you know you can't you know although for me it was slightly behind I thought it was a decent fight I think it took a while to be wrong but I think the, I think the knockout was, was the, the limelight of that fight but you know it was a significant night and obviously Joshua's rematch I think uh, I think again that needs to be thought about and mentioned um, nowhere near fights of the year but you know they were significant nights and I, you know I like the uh, the Golovkin and uh, Devachenko fight I thought that was an excellent fight Art of um, Betaviev and um, Guznek, I always get his, his names wrong, but another great fight. And, and uh, Arta Betaviev, I mean, he's, yeah, Betaviev, he's, he's, you know, he's a shoe, he's one of the top fighters, and I'm looking forward to what he can do next year. Um, yeah, other than that, I think that was pretty much it. Um, I think most of the fights we got in there, I mean, Kovlev Yard, I mean, it, I mean, you look at Kovlev, for instance, I mean, it, the nights he beat sort of, Alvarez and he beat Yard and he was close to beating Canelo. I mean, a lot of people could be talking about Kovalev as a fight of the year if he'd have just lasted another couple of rounds against him. But even still, I think you know there were some big fights. But it just again, they just they tended to end sort of sort of around sort of October going into November, December. That's when these big fights really come out. We had a couple sort of spread throughout the year, but thankfully. Um, right at the end of the year it, um, it livened up and it gave us a decent year so we're going to move on to the big one then the fighter of the year international fighter of the year so this is so from all weight categories across the world we've had some fantastic fighters and again this was voted for by you the, the listeners to BTR Boxing Podcast and obviously the users that vote for the polls on Twitter we put four fighters in there very very again subjective list and difficult to put certain fighters in there, but we did compile a list together uh, of four particular fighters we felt like should 
really get this accolade for the year. So, most recently, Tiafimo Lopez, of what he's achieved this year, was in there. We had Manny Pacquiao, of course, the Senate for the Philippines, the 41-year-old welterweight champion of the world, dispatching of Adrian Broner and Keith Thurman this year. We had Canelo Alvarez, as Johnson's just rightly pointed out, with his victories this year. We had Danny Jacobs' victory. We also had the victory over Sergei Kovalev, winning a title at the light heavyweight division. And then we had another one of our favourites, someone we've just been speaking about, Naoa Inoue. Obviously, he was the fighter of the year that you voted for. So Naoa Inoue wins that particular poll and wins the award as voted for by yourselves who have voted for it on Twitter with a 56% margin. We had 31% to Canelo, 8% to Pacquiao and 5% to Tiafimo Lopez. So I think we've kind of mainly covered off what we really wanted to discuss about anyway with his fight with Donair. And I mentioned briefly, obviously, him beating Emmanuel Rodriguez in emphatic fashion earlier this year and then having that barnstormer with Donair this year. And I think, again, I know people are probably going to be sitting there and maybe thinking, no, I don't think he deserved that and I think somebody else deserved it. That That's fine. Honestly, that is fine and that's fair enough. This has actually been voted for by by people on Twitter. So it actually had a, a few hundred votes and people decided that Nao Inoue was the fighter of the year. And I can't really argue against it. You know, I think... You know, Canelo could probably go in there as, a, as an argument, as a close second. Some people might even want to put Wilder in there because of his victories this year. There's, there's, there's so many fighters that you could probably sit there and say maybe they've even deserved it this year more so than Nao Inoue. But you've, you've spoken. You guys have spoken to us and you've told us that Nao Inoue is your fighter of the year. Your winner of the coveted Muhammad Ali trophy and the IBF and WBA ring magazine Bantamweight champion of the world still undefeated Naoya and he's mine as well uh, he was one of my fighters last year um, didn't quite get the big fights and, and as soon as I see the Emmanuel Rodriguez fight pop up and I knew that was going to happen I was I was excited about it. It was on the same night as well with uh, Taylor, wasn't it? Uh, Baroncheck, uh in Scotland. I mean, what a night that must have been for the guys over there. Um, but Inoue, for me, it's just... It's, I can't... Emmanuel Rodriguez is world-class. He really is. He, he's an excellent fighter. And, and the way he dispatched him in the way he did was just unreal. And that was just one of the performances of the year. And then Donair was one of the fights of the year. And Inoue proved... You know that he isn't just a big punch; he can take a punch too, and and he can, you know, if he needs to, he can bite down that gum shield and fight through. It. And he proved that, and it was, it was just exhilarating fight, and he was a standout fight for me. Obviously, Canelo with Jacobs win and Kovalev, and obviously filled in in between. Uh, Pacquiao with Broner and Furman, uh, Spence Junior is another one with a win over Porter and Garcia. You know, that's probably I've seen a few people say Spence Junior as as a potential fighter of the year, possibly. Um, and Baterviev even, you know, with his, you know, unifying the division. Um, another one, Miguel Burchell, who uh, sort of goes under the radar a bit. Lopez with his fantastic win over Comey the other week, which we put in there, we squeeze him in. We did say if he wins that fight, we'll put him in. And, and you know, what he did was emphatic against uh, Comey. But, you know, another one is Stevenson. But for me, Inoue, um is my fight of the year um, and he deserves to be and, and credit to the guy like, I just can't wait 
for what he does next year. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's been a great year for for fighters, and it's been a great year for for boxing internationally and domestically. I think, and I think this kind of leads us nicely into the final segment, really, of of the show, and it's to really sort of reflect upon some of the things that have happened this year where, you know, maybe we want to see certain things that didn't happen and maybe there were certain things that happened that we felt shouldn't happen or things that have just kind of really pissed us off. And I think it's only right that we add these little bits into the episode because obviously it's been a very difficult year in, in, in different ways. And I think, you know, we touched on earlier about the passing of fighters and, and what what can boxing do and what can the, the sanctioning bodies do and what can the organisations do to make it more safer for fighters. But then there's also, obviously, the subject of what you mentioned earlier, Johnson, which is poor scorecards. And that has been a regular occurrence on a weekly basis for us on a lot of the big fight reaction shows. So we'll do the big fight previews for the big fights and then we'll come to the, the Monday night record and the Monday night release of the the big fight reaction and, and nine times out of ten you're probably going to get us moaning about a scorecard because you know you've got really really highly competitive bouts going on and yet you're seeing a really wide scorecard when that is not reality and something needs to change something in boxing needs to change and i think without going too much of the boxing wish list on us i think this year has actually seen uh, a significant number of, of big fights of high-profile fights that have happened domestically and internationally where scorecards have been just so wrong and so, so wrong. And a couple of domestic ones was Smith and Ryder most recently. That fight, as I said earlier, was put in a poll because I felt like taking everything away from it, the controversy of it, was a really good fight. But the scorecard was really poor. Really, really poor. You had Cash Farouk and Lee McGregor, another great fight for Scotland, a really, really big fight for the Scottish fight fans. And yet, the scorecards were poor on that as well. And you've got so many notable instances this year of really bad scorecards. And it just begs the question of, of how how do you change that? And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that, you know, as our Boxing Wishlist episode comes out in a few more weeks. But, you know, this year I think has been really... I know we say, probably say it every year, but I feel like this year has been more rife than any year that I've that I've come across in the past four or five. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's the one talking point that seems to come up every fight, every night, every weekend. We'll do we'll do a preview show and then we'll have the review, and it just it just tends to take over at times, and it, it can be so frustrating. You know, it must be frustrating for the for the fighter in particular that's lost out because of a dodgy scorecard, and and it's I don't know what it is. Um, I mean, I really can't sort of. Put, get your head into it. Is it is it just blatant cheating? Are these people getting little sort of side bits of money? I don't know. Are they getting backhanders? You know, in terms of their, picking their winner and just automatically picking a fight, no matter how the fight's going. Because that's how it. I mean, I hate to say it, like it's it's that blase and that blatant, but it, it. I can't otherwise. I just can't explain it. Because I mean, we're talking about some fights where you just like. How on earth has, has this judge come up with this score? It just doesn't make no sense, does it? And and it's something you need to look at. I mean, I know it is it's, it's subjective when you watch a fight. You know, whether you prefer the aggressor or whether you prefer the guy that fights on the back foot. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we all watch the fight, and it tends to happen every week. As I say, at least once or twice a month, we'll be in a situation where there will be a massive hoo ha about well, how the decision, how it, how on earth. The, the judges have come to this this decision, but 
it's just something that's not going to go away. I don't know how you can assess it, really. I mean, I know they have the judges around the ring, don't they? So some may see certain punches and the other doesn't. So that's how they're sort of saying that maybe that's why a shot to the body that's slightly covered up, but one guy on one side can see and the other one can't. I still can't. I don't. I, whereas we get the perspective, we get all the angles, don't we? There and there on the night. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it just tends to be a, a problem that's continually got worse. It's not got any better. Whether you just, with these judges, need to be schooled a little bit. Maybe there's too many fights. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe there's way too many fights. We've got too many average judges going out there that are watching fights that don't really understand how to score a fight, and maybe they need to be re-educated. And maybe we need to just bring the volume of fights down, a bit more, bit more quality rather than quantity. Um, maybe that's that's an option. I don't know uh, because I mean, I mean, obviously, we, me and my wife have been talking about races. The amount of fights that happen is difficult to keep up with it. And she was even saying herself that you know she gets turned off by it a little bit. But she used to get excited about fights, and now there's another fight coming on again. So you know, just looking at the side of someone else that doesn't watch fights every week like I do. That's actually got a point. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we just need less fights, better judging. I really can't let me finger on it, but it just tends to be a big problem and it's a black mark again on boxing as well as the deaths and the safety of it. I don't know. I don't know, Sean. What do you think, Sean? I really don't know. <laughs> it's always <laughs> gonna be a it's always gonna be a controversial talking point. Now, I don't wanna sort of go down the whole route of corruption is rife in boxing route, but the one thing I will sort of point out about, you know, fighters saying that, you know, people get backhanders and people speculating that people get backhanders if you didn't already know that when officials are appointed to a particular fight it is the responsibility of the promoter to actually stump up the money that they get paid for the fight so if you've got three officials and a referee you've got to pay them a set fee which has been sanctioned by the british boxing board of control i'm talking obviously here in the uk of course Uh, (laughs) so they get paid and they're paid out of the promoter's pocket. So it's the promoter that pays them fees. So, you know, is there scope there for, you know, a cheeky meal or uh, and a nice swanky hotel to be thrown in to, to, to sort of be favoured to them? I, it could be, it could be. But again, I'd like to believe that doesn't happen. But, you know, there were people, conspiracy theorists, that may say it is. it does happen. But the truth of the reality is, if an Eddie Hearn show... Uh, is on, and you know, three judges and a couple of referees are, are assigned to that particular show. It's Eddie Earn that stumps the money up for that. It's his firm that stumps the money up to pay for them officials, like he pays for the MCs, like he pays for the timekeepers, like he pays for anyone that comes outside that he needs to have that show take place. He has to pay for that. So people could argue there is scope for that type of stuff to happen in there, and, and maybe it does. Maybe it does happen. I mean, we've got sort of things that we. We want to talk about, you know, in the future about criminals in boxing and, and, and corruption in boxing. And there's certainly a lot of it that is evident in history. So whether or not that's a factor in it, I, I would I probably would never find that out or never know. So people can have their own conspiracy theories on that. But, it, you know, it's something that people have spoke about a lot on social media. But in terms of uh, the reality of the situation, 2019... Has, for to me, domestically, it's felt a bit more rife than it has in 2018, 2017. I feel like every week we're talking about it more so than we have been uh, in in the past 
couple of years and and this is what's annoying and you know you say there's too many fights happening there's too many cards on every week it's fantastic for boxing that there is this many cards on this week because there was a period of time where you wouldn't get fights for for months on end you wouldn't even get you'd get one or two big cards a year and that'll be it now we're getting a card every single week and maybe it is an over maybe it is an oversaturation of boxing and maybe you know the the judges are tired maybe you know they see that many fights on a regular basis that maybe the judgment isn't as good as maybe what it once was because they are seeing different levels of fights you know these judges that you see on these big matchroom shows they also do a lot of the small hall stuff as well so they are seeing some of the sort of the lower quality of operators you know the guys that are just coming through or you know the the guys that maybe will never make it so they do they do judge a lot of fights so it must be difficult for them and maybe there needs to be a fresh new intake of, of guys like that because it's always the same faces. It's always yeah. the Terry O'Connors, the Ian John Lewis's. You know, these are the types of guys that are high profile that have worked hard to get to that level and and to do the officiating and do the judging. But maybe we need a, a fresh new batch of, of guys that are coming through that are being trained up and and being given you know some fresh eyes onto it. And I'm not saying the, any of the other guys do a, do a shit job because they don't. They they train. They've been doing it for years. However more and more questionable scorecards are coming out and that is why people are putting these things out there and that's why people are, are making little memes about about these referees and you know I, you know whilst they're a little bit funny to think about it's a bit you know it's pretty harsh on them because at the end of the day they're getting paid to do a job and they're trying to do that job and they feel like they're sitting at ringside and doing the right job and you said you pointed it out earlier they don't see always see things that we always see so it does make it difficult we'll we'll definitely touch on this more so for 2020's boxing wish list definitely so and I think the final sort of subject to talk about for 2019 a subject that has marred boxing for years and years and years but again has just reared its ugly head this year was was obviously drug taking and performance enhancing drugs and two big notable cases was Jarrell Miller who was supposed to fight Anthony Joshua on June the 1st, and then there was Dillian White here in the UK, and not forgetting the two Mexicans that were also tested positive for contaminated meat and were completely disregarded by the WBC and just brushed under the rug. So there's been a lot of incidents, really, again, that have been more mainstream that have come out this year about performance-enhancing drugs, and that is another issue, and it's marred the sport yet again this year. You've, you've had people passing away as a result of injuries sustained, and in the same sense, you've had people using performance-enhancing drugs, which can potentially endanger fighters on the opposite corner. So it's a bit of a horrible, vicious circle, but it's the reality. This is what we're getting, drug-taking, performance-enhancing drugs, another issue for 2019. Yeah, I mean, it's another annoying subject that just continually gets brought up. And, it is, you know, there's always something happening. There's always a fighter getting done for something. I mean, recently, as you say, we've had Joel Miller, which was, um, I mean, that was just shocking. And the fact that the guy's going to come back into the ring after six months is just beyond me. I don't understand it. I really don't. And, you know, when you've got guys like, uh, was it Molina was out for two years? How can it be bad for two years? something that he still says that it was it wasn't to do you know he wasn't legitimately cheating and you get Miller that's only going to get six months and he said he'd come out and said he, he cheated on purpose so you know that guy should be getting two years surely and Molina should not be getting any I mean the one thing I would say with, with these cheats is yes the, the sentences are light and it's not you know it's not their fault that they're being dished out a six month punishment but I tell you what should be happening is promoters should not 
be signing these guys to have any fights with any of their guys. You know, you shouldn't have Eddie um, Frank Warren, um, whether it be Al Heyman, whoever. Nobody should be putting their man up against Miller. Quite simply, that's how you combat it for me. I think the promoters need to start taking a bit of responsibility here. And you can't have Eddie Earn in a recent interview I, I, I heard. And, and he's basically just saying, you know, this, he, he served his punishment. You know, I'm not, this isn't necessarily Miller. This was somebody else they were discussing. But, you know, why are you allowing him back in the ring to fight your man? Yeah, he's going to go and get drug tested. But we've already seen it with flipping Dillian White. Where you had the UCAD, or you had, you had Vada saying he was completely clear. Then you had UCAD saying an A sample was, was, was positive and then the B sample was negative. So, you know, you can't trust those authorities as such, can you really? Because they're, they're, what they're, what, what are they, you know, you're getting completely contradictory results. So, for me, if you're going to really combat it, the promoters are earning millions and millions of dollars, pounds, with Eddie Earn, whatever, you know, he's in, the, he's in the American market, he's earning dollars, he's in the Spanish market. Now, if any fighter, like someone like Camilla, you, you, they just need to just close the door on him. You know, end of. He does not fight my man. So if he ain't got nobody to fight, he's going to end up probably in Russia because they're probably, I'm, no offence to Russian, if there's any Russians listening, I hate to just say to Russia, but, you know, whether it be Bulgaria or Russia, it, it tends to be those cards. You know, we had it with Danny Williams the other night. Was that in Germany? You know, yeah. and he, he's cut. He's walking out of that with his clothes, fully clothed, to go out and apologise to the audience that he can't fight the fight. Quite simply, he needed the money for the tickets. That's why he didn't pull out of that fight, whether he's injured or not. That's not on. You can't be doing that, because he now knows the night's there, isn't it? So they've paid for their tickets. Now they can't reimburse the fans. I mean, if they kick up a stink, maybe they'll reimburse something. But that's why he's done it, so he can get money himself. You know, I'm not, not picking out on Danny Williams as such, but, you know, because he hasn't been pulled up for judging. That's what we're talking about, judging. But... This is where promoters need to, to, they need to stand their ground and say, you know what, you've been banned, fine, but you, I ain't ever having you against any of my fighters. I think that is the only way you can back it, but they won't because they just want to earn the money. And that's how I see it. That's what promoters are about. They're just as dirty as the guys that are taking the drugs from me. Yeah, and you have said this before. We've spoke about this, you know, a lot in in the past few months, and you've had uh, a good couple of rants about this, and rightly so, to be <laughs> honest with you, rightly so, because I think there's uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked and a lot of questions to be answered, and unfortunately, people kind of just let these things slide and let them go under the rug, and then kind of just let boxing go on and, and and quite easily forget about these little things and i think the wider audience do forget about it and just kind of get on with things and think that's acceptable because that's what was being presented to us is it acceptable and it's not it's not acceptable you know we we don't want to see this happen in the sport we don't want to see these big high profile fighters you know performance enhancing drugs taking them and you know dillian white was he taking him? Was he not taking him? He's been cleared of it. You know, it's, it, it kind of leaves a bad mark on him, even if he genuinely wasn't taking anything in particular to ha- enhance his performance for his fight with Oscar Rivas earlier this year. He's now been marred with that for for the rest of his career. And remember, Dillian White did previously also serve a ban as well. A few yep. years back, he served a two-year ban. So, yeah, he got a two-year ban. For, for something which wasn't, from what I recall, wasn't as bad as what this B sample was supposed to be, but yet he wasn't essentially suspended from the ring, he was just under investigation, and then he was cleared. So there's a lot of inconsistencies with it all, huge inconsistencies with it, and until everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet, we're always going to be ranting about it week after week, year after year, because things, are unfortunately, are never going to change. But 
And to be honest, I'm not going to end the end of year show on a complete negative note because, you know, whilst we sit here and talk about things that do need changing in the sport and how it's affected 2019 as a whole, you know, it's not so much left a, a bad taste in my mouth. It's left me with a few food for thought. But overall, the year in review has been great for British boxing. We've had brilliant fights. We've had brilliant domestic nights, brilliant international fights, international fighters, and we've just seen some great things. I mean, who would have thought we would have seen Lomachenko over here fighting Luke Campbell? Who would have thought we would have seen that? You know, we've seen Golovkin over here in the past couple of years. All these fighters are wanting to come to Britain to fight our fighters because at the end of the day, British boxing, regardless of, you know, what we're moaning about, it's still on the rise. It's still going upwards. Trajectory is still going upwards, regardless of what we say and what we what we bitch and moan about. It's still going up, and and we can't argue with that. We cannot argue with the fact that boxing is still rising and rising. And even for you American fans as well, boxing is just on the rise. I think the difference with obviously the American fans is you've got so many other different sports that people buy into over there: baseball, American football. You know, you've got ice hockey going on over there. You've got all sorts of other sports which actually take more precedent than so whereas over here mainly in the uk it's all about football or soccer or it's about boxing and then some other smaller sports that is what you know generally the british culture is about it's football and boxing and that's what a lot of people buy into so you know for us it's a massive deal it's a big deal but british boxing overall for 2019 has started off slow but we've had some fantastic fights, some epic nights, some upsets, some thrills, some spills. But overall, it's been another great year for the sport, for British boxing as a whole. And I'm pretty sure, as fight fans, you've really enjoyed some of the tasty nights we've had. Yeah, as a whole, as I say, I mean, I mean, I give it an 8 out of 10. I probably went a bit higher. It probably was about a 7. But, you know, I was, from the way the year ended, it, it's ended in a good note in terms of we've had some great fights back in as I say from about October onwards it really started to get going and and we got some memorable nights and then two fights of the year happened right literally the last couple of months of the year so you know it's been it's been great viewing it really has and I just hope that this year I think you know putting away you know what we just went about with drugs and judges and whatever else I think the one thing we all want to see which what the World Boxing Super Series give us is the big fight. So, you know, what I would ideally like to see next year is we want to see Wilder Fury, whether it be one and two. You know, we want to see Crawford and Spence. If Spence comes back, if it isn't Spence, then, you know, maybe maybe Pacquiao after, you know, he's he's done what he's done this year. Another great year for Pacquiao. You know, Anoue, Neary, possibly. I mean, Lomachenko, Lopez, what a fight that's going to be when that happens. Um, there's, there's great fights out there. What, what we just want to see is we want to see these guys in the ring. You know, that's the one thing we want. We need these promoters. We need the TV rights. You know, we need the promoters. We need everybody to be singing from the same industry to get these these fights done. And um, I mean, the one other fight I would love to see this year is, is Joshua Dillian White. I would love to see that fight at, at Wembley in the summer. Um, you know, it probably won't. It's probably going to be Pulev, but we never know. I mean, he could get that in early, and then maybe we can have it later on in the year but it's just uh, it's, it's a great fault um, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say that we're definitely going to see at least three or four of them um, I just hope we get more than we've got this year 
Well, we'll wait and see. We've got another episode coming out in early 2020, the Boxing Wishlist episode. We've done it for the past two years since the inception of the podcast, and we will do it again with Johnston in tow for this year, and we're going to talk about a few of these issues again, what we want to see for this year, the fights we want to see, the things we want to see stamped out. But this was all about 2019 and some of the great nights, some of the epic fights that we've seen over the past 12 months. It's been really, really enjoyable. And from a podcast perspective, we hope that you've really, really enjoyed all the series that we've had this year. From our perspective, we've had the career profiles, Inception, we've had the legendary nights still going strong as ever. We've had the life and times of, we've had ones to watch, we've had two series of the ones to watch and a start of a third which has been amazing to get the journeys of some of these smaller hall fighters in the uk and usa as well so if you've not already checked any of these series out please go and do it we think it's been an absolute brilliant year we've really enjoyed bringing you all these different varied episodes all the different types of quality that we've enjoyed bringing you over the past 12 months and it's really been great to to go through it and and you know if you're going to do anything at the end of the year go and subscribe to the podcast and go and rate it and go and review it do that as as a late christmas present to us because you know <laughs> all the effort and the time that gets spent on producing this content and producing the shows and getting them edited getting them prepared getting them put out put on social media anybody who works in the media and she knows how much donkey work goes into it but if you don't work in mainstream media, you don't have people doing all this for you. We don't have people doing all this for us. This is a combination of both myself and Johnston producing videos and producing episodes that we can put out to your ears for you to listen to when you're on the commute to work or when you're at work and you're trying to get through a boring day at work or you just want to sit at home listening to it or you're cleaning the house, whatever it is. We're just really, really glad and appreciative of the fact that you listen to the episodes and that you give us all the feedback and that you're rating us so please continue to go and do that and you know where to find us i tell you every episode on twitter it's at btr boxing pod and on facebook btr boxing podcast the youtube channel is also now up and running all the audio versions of legendary nights and all the different series are going to be on there with some video content coming for 2020 so please go and subscribe to that youtube channel and check us out on there as well leave us any comments on the videos we really really appreciate it and we really hope you've had a fantastic year in boxing we hope you have a great and safe new year thank you for very much for listening and we'll see you in 2020 Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.